Welcome to Middlemorph Millennials, the podcast that I started to force my friends to read Animorphs and yell at them about the books. My name is Morgan. Hi, and my name is Kate. Hi, my name is Jason. And we can't tell you who we are or where we live because they might find us and we can't let them find us. What does the back of the book say? <laughs> the Yorks will never win. <laughs> uh, so what did you guys think? We read the first book of Animorphs, The Invasion, book one. What are your first impressions? Can I go first? Yeah. Yeah, go for okay. it. Okay, so the, like, the first <laughs> chapter, well, delightful that these are like a couple pages a chapter. Yeah, right. Um, but also, um, I was like, oh God, is this how it's going to be narrated the whole time? I was I was like, I don't know if I can do this. But actually, actually, as I got into it, I was like, oh, I like this. I could like very easily see this like as like a TV show or a movie the way I got it in my head. So like, I was like, I'm actually excited to read the rest, like 53 of them or something. So what was annoying you about the first chapter? It was, it just like took me back of like, Oh, the vernacular. It's very nineties <laughs> tween teenager. And it's Totes like, self, it's self narrated. So I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> I'm just going to be thrown back to like my childhood. <laughs> and like Buffy it's not too bad about like the slang but there it's definitely there for sure cooler than any coolness ever <laughs> Kate what were your first thoughts um yeah definitely a flashback I I just kind of like getting into action so I was kind of okay that you know just kind of jumped right into it and there wasn't a lot of uh major uh plot laying down right at the beginning with the character introduction i mean obviously we were introduced to the um the the main characters these group Mm -hmm. of kids but i was okay with it just kind of then jumping into what this whole book was about (laughs) Uh, yeah here's the point (laughs) yeah exactly there wasn't a lot of world it wasn't uh jrl tolkien (laughs) right at the beginning where i needed the history of the shire before i could really understand what was going on yeah we get that in later books like it builds there's definitely like just a here are the like the first page there's like a half or the first chapter, there's like a half page section where it's like, and here's what all these kids are about. Like each and every one of them, we're going to get characters for all of them. Here's what they're like in one sentence. Yeah. Yeah. Here's yeah. a quick summary. Mm-hmm. You got A, B, and C. Uh, you got Jake. You got Cassie. You got, uh, oh my Tobias. gosh, what's Jake's cousin's name? Marco. Rachel. Rachel. Oh, okay. And then you got Marco and Tobias. You got these five kids and uh, aliens. Uh, <laughs> it was nice yeah, like, just to get to the point. Yeah. Chapter two, right? They just got right into it. Yeah. And I was like. The end of chapter one is literally like a flying saucer. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine because like obviously later on in this first book, we kind of got to understand the characters a bit more and more. Yeah. It, it was just uh, preferable just to kind of get drive in right into the, the basis and foundation and the action. And I also, so I have, I'm going to turn my camera on here because I have the books. I have both the original cover and the re-release cover. So they re-released the first eight, seven, six-ish books in 2011. So I have the reprints, but here's the original cover, which you can very much tell it is the first one where they're like, what is morphing? How do we show this kid turning into a lizard? Yeah, it's very scary Pixar um, animation, like early Pixar. Like think of some of the first shorts you ever saw from Pixar. Yeah, <laughs> terrifying. But like, is that like a real picture of a of a green doll on it? No, it almost looks like totally fake. I think it's an anoli. I think you're right. I think it's anoli. So here's oh, the no. like, if you. There's a hole in the cover where the head of the animal is Mm -hmm. and you open it up and it's like, here's a scene from the book. And it's him in his locker standing on his shoes as the Nike swoosh shoes. I I see. Do they have the Nike? No, they don't. Copyright infringement. (laughs) They're like, oh, the swoosh is cut out. Um, And the cover, there's like a blurb 
on the front of everyone says, some people never change, some do. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. All right, and then here's the re-release, which is holographic. Oh, I don't know cool. if yours does Oh, that this, is Kate. really cool. So it's like one of those things where you it, you tilt it and it's his face and then you tilt it and... Yeah, and it, and it uh, slowly morphs and changes into the green anole lizard. Which means that it doesn't have the inside cover thing. But this book is signed by two of the McElroys. So it's signed <laughs> by Clint McElroy and Travis McElroy and Carrie Peach, who does the animation for um, Taz. Because she has an Animorphs podcast. So I was like, what should I have Carrie Peach sign? I guess this Animorphs book. And it doesn't have the flippies either, like... You can flip the pages. Let me see if I can do this without making my mic sound obnoxious. Wait a minute, what? Okay, so uh, Morgan, I have that book, but in reprint, so there's no cutoff for cutout for the head uh, of the lizard, and there is no um, in the reprint, no um, person silhouette changing slowly into a lizard. Yeah, so, I think wah, wah. I did buy a bunch of these because I read them with one of my classes and it doesn't have the holographic part, but it does have like a picture of him halfway between being a lizard and like the middle morph. Okay. So well, to speak. There we go. <laughs> All right. So this the, the covers get much better later on. They figure out how to do it after book two. After book two. <laughs> book two. Book two is like hand painted. They're like, well, CG's not doing it for us. Should we hand paint these? And the answer is no. Uh, <laughs> anyway, okay. So we opened up with My Name is Jake, which if you couldn't tell from the cover, here's the narrator of this book. And he says, that's my name, obviously. I can't tell you my last name. It's too dangerous. The controllers was, are everywhere. I was like, okay, 007. <laughs> Let's right. Like take a pill here but that's what I was like okay this start like it's gonna be a whole um it's gonna be a thing it's gonna be a theme it's gonna be a a party yeah strap yeah. in Jason <laughs> and like he's like I can't tell you where we are but it's just a normal town it may even be your town <laughs> like very obviously like getting the kids to be like it maybe it is my town and we'll talk about that at the end where you guys think it is mm -hmm. but there's my lots hometown. of fan theories. <laughs> yeah, it's actually my hometown. Um, So Jake starts out by talking about how he had a bad day because he didn't make the basketball team. And his big brother, Tom, is going to be disappointed since he was a big basketball star when he was at Jake's school, which I guess is middle school. Okay, yeah, because at one point, yeah, at one point they say they're teenagers. And so I'm like, how old are these kids? Because I was gauging on the younger side but if they're teenagers it's anywhere 13 to well like obviously 17 or 18 19 if, if they're <laughs> if they're in like middle school they've got to be 13 or 14 like in eighth grade because there's like no way it can be more and like how they aged his brother well we can get this but how they aged his brother i was a little bit like how old is he actually yeah they like, try and keep it vague i think but they're like young 13 14 type range okay i kind of relate to the whole um brother in the sports thing so like my brother is five years older than me so like when i graduated high school he graduated college so like um when he went to college i first went to high school we went to the same high school uh for my freshman year and he did swim team and i did swim team and obviously my last name like people recognize that it's like oh are you his brother i'm like yeah so like teachers said that my coach said that i was like great because he's really athletically inclined and i'm just like very limp wrist if you know what I mean <laughs> and so it was very much like okay this will be great and then I like, went to a different school and then like there was a break where we had one coach but then she got pregnant so she can come back for the second year and then the, and the coach over that was actually one of my brother's old coaches even though it's at a different high school so it happened again and I was like god damn it like I'm not like, who you think I am <laughs> I am not like I'm I'm here because my dad made me play a sport <laughs> I am not like my brother I am not gonna get up at 5 a.m to go to practice <laughs> so, so like I relate to that sort of because like when I finally quit swimming I was like dreading telling my brother so I was just like oh my god it's gonna be a thing what's he gonna say and then he took it like really easily and I was like oh okay but like I was like I, re I relate maybe to he's a controller 
Maybe we'll get there. <laughs> Jason, did he mention a cult at all when he was in high school? Oh, just, you know, just the Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> um, you know, just one more thing though, because I feel like we're moving on from this, but um, I highlighted this immediately. Um, I felt very attacked. It aged me. It was like, it said, I have a Sega at home. Oh, I was just going to talk about that. (laughs) Oh, okay. Great transition. Because I was like, oh my God, where the Sega was contemporary enough to put into a children's book. (laughs) I was like, oh. In the reprints, they made a couple of changes. No way. Mostly to make it more timeless. So in the reprint, it doesn't say Sega. It says, I have a system at home. Yeah. I I almost expected the word Nintendo, just like all adults call all consoles (laughs) Nintendos. (laughs) No, I'm pretty sure they got a, a young person for these reprints. <laughs> but yeah, so that's like the difference. That's how you can tell which one on like page three. If it says he has a system, it's a reprint. If it says he has a Sega, <laughs> I like how they picked the the one that didn't last. Like if they had said Nintendo <laughs> or PlayStation, it would have been like, oh yeah, that's that's fine. There's still Nintendos, there's still PlayStation, but there's not still Segas. Sorry. <laughs> um, okay, so then they run into Tobias. Um, And Jake says, Tobias was, or I guess still is, kind of a strange guy, which is our first instance of foreshadowing that is sprinkled throughout this book. And so Tobias met Jake when Tobias was getting a swirly from some bullies. And Jake was like, hey, don't do that. And then Tobias was like, well, I'm going to hang out with you for the rest of my life. And so it just kind of like hangs out. They're not friends, really, but... Jake like protects him so he kind of Tobias kind of like sticks to him I mean like Jake protected him once uh, but yeah and then Tobias obviously assumed friendship from there Yeah, Yeah. I feel like this is very classic Hollywood style you very quickly like this is how they're friends it's like totally uh, sets up like a dynamic a power dynamic too between the two Mm -hmm. Um, which I feel like they actually pretty quickly like they sustain but also kind of change it too with Tobias's character like it, I, I was like oh there's yeah different than I thought and at some point Marco calls him like a bully magnet which is really victim blaming like dude <laughs> not cool uh yeah no Marco I hope we get into Marco because Marco has has some uh interesting interesting character <laughs> oh yeah we better Attributes. get into Marco okay I hope so because I was I got some things to say too yeah, I, I I write in the margins of my books that I own uh, as I go through <laughs> them. And oh boy, howdy, I had a lot of commentary back and forth with Marco's one-liners. <laughs> yeah, Marco is Jake's best friend. Um, they're at the mall playing some sort of game, some console game. And Jake's distracted because he, you know, has to tell his brother Tom that he didn't make the basketball team. And so he keeps dying. And so they're like, all right, we're out of quarters. Let's go home. So they start heading home and they run into Rachel and Rachel's Jake's cousin. And Jake describes her as kind of pretty, I guess, because she's his cousin. And so he's like, I don't think of her that way. It was an interesting way to kind of introduce that character and then just tag on. Oh, yeah, but she's my cousin. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's like, OK. So... <laughs> I feel like I feel like it's all we've all been there, though, when you're like somebody asks you, like, what are they cute? It's like, well, it's, you know, for me, it's like. Like, my brother is very conventionally handsome, and so people are like, oh, he's kind of like, I know this, but, like, gross. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fair. Like, yeah, that's the same thing with my brother. <laughs> yeah, and so she's, like, tall, she's blonde, she always looks put together, she's fashion forward, and then she's with, so that's Rachel, and she's with her best friend Cassie, who he describes as a lot more plain. Jake says she's black and wears her hair short, which he likes her short hair because he has a huge crush on her. And it's very clear with this next interaction that she also has a crush on him. So we get this this exchange really quickly characterizing both Rachel and Cassie. You guys going home? I asked Rachel. You shouldn't go through the construction site by yourselves. I mean, being girls and all. That was a mistake. I should never have suggested to Rachel that she's weak or helpless. Rachel may look like Miss Teen Model or whatever, but she thinks she's Storm from the X-Men. Are you going to come protect us, you big, strong man, she said. You think we're helpless just because... I'd appreciate it if they did walk with us, Cassie interrupted. I know you're not afraid of anything, Rachel, but I guess I am. Rachel couldn't say much about that. That's the way Cassie is. She always has the right words to stop any argument without making anyone feel bad. 
So right away we get Rachel is tough and Cassie is good at keeping the peace. And she also likes Jake and wants an excuse to walk with him. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot to unpack there because like <laughs> yeah. f- first foreshadowing construction site. Then you get like that. That was a mistake. I get that Hagrid meme. Oop, should not have said that. I should not <laughs> have said that. And then very much you reference X-Men. So we got the um, comic book nerds going on, but then also the very much like, um, okay, yeah, like you said, Rachel is very strong. She's here. She's independent. You know, she's a very like forward, you know, strong woman and like uh, outwardly strong. And it seems like Cassie, I think will probably end up being like a, like maybe more silent strength. Yeah, she's more like the emotional center of the group. Intuitive, I would kind of put it as. Yeah. And um, like a little bit, uh, as we get into this next chapter, just she's wiser, like probably the most wise out of all of them in terms of Mm -hmm. courses of action. Yeah. Um, And so (laughs) they head home, they start to head home and Jake says it's the last time they were just normal kids, which feels like a million years ago. And I really like this exchange. They're like, we could go the long way around to get home or cut through the construction site. And he says, to get home from the mall, we could either go the long way around, which is the safe way, or we could cut through this abandoned construction site and hope there weren't any axe murderers hanging around. My mom and dad have sworn to ground me until I'm 20 if they ever find out I've cut through the construction site. So anyway, we cross the road and headed into the abandoned construction site. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we have our answer. Like, he's 20, right? (laughs) He's a 20 teenager. (laughs) (laughs) I just love how they, like, it's very clear they have kids because, like, (laughs) that's such a kid thing to do where, where the kid is like, yeah, I know I'll get in trouble if I do this. So anyway, I did it. Like, I don't know why. I just did. <laughs> because plot. <laughs> if only they had gone the long way around and then everything would have been fine. I guess we'll never know. Wink. Okay, so they're walking through the construction site. And Tobias, I like to note that he was looking up at the sky because that's he's like the daydreamer. Um, and he oh starts, sees something in the sky that's like a blue light. The foreshadowing, Morgan. Sorry. Yes. Like, oh, yeah, just, that's a good that's point. Just... Chef's kiss. Um, all right. <laughs> the ship, they, they see a ship and yeah, Cassie's like, it's a flying saucer. And then Marco's like, you're an idiot. And then they realize it's not a flying saucer. It's shaped like an egg with wings. And then it also has like a sharp scorpion tail. Okay. Can we pause like right here? Because <laughs> this ship, uh, I mean, Morgan, you've probably you must have come across fan art or something because i tried to just sketch this or doodle this on what they were describing and it okay it just looks weird (laughs) like you got a ship that has an egg shape right where like the cockpit would be like up at front it's a pod and then extends back uh like long and narrow and then there's like little stubby wings with a long tube on each that glows bright blue. So it's, you know, just like a little jet propulsion. But it's really the end of the ship where they describe it as like a little scorpion tail where it actually curls up. And uh, like supposedly that might be something where it like blasts out like a, a laser or something like that. Yeah, that's where their phasers are or whatever. Yeah. They make it, a joke about that. Yeah. Interesting design. Also, <laughs> I'd be very curious to know what, if anybody's uh, drawn that sh- and uh, that ship before because uh, not conventional. Uh, it's it's the scorpion tail thing that uh, keeps coming up. That's uh, interesting. I mean, I just keep thinking of like a Q uh, tip with wings. <laughs> I, I I like how this this series is like. Oh yeah, everybody makes ships that look exactly like them. You know, like humans do. We make planes that look exactly like us. Oh, that's terrifying. <laughs> I'll just say this. Maybe it's the patriarchy because they're all phallic, especially our space shuttles. <laughs> that's, that's actually what we do. Okay, good point. Okay, so Tobias is like excited, but the rest of them are super scared. Their hair starts standing on end uh, and then it lands. And Tobias is the first one to approach. And he says, please come out. We won't hurt you. And then they hear words in their head say, I know, like Han Solo. <laughs> and it's like, I heard it in my head, but it wasn't out loud. So the Andalites who are about to meet, they hear thought speak for the first time because that's how they Andalites communicate. Do you guys want to see a picture of an Andalite? 
I think I saw one because I think one's on one of the cover of the books. Yeah, I've seen those before too uh, because of the covers of the books. Why don't you describe them, Morgan? Um, They are like deer or horses, like the body. They're like centaurs, essentially, except blue with blue and tan fur. And so their faces, they have eyes in the normal place, but they don't have mouths or noses. Instead, they have just like three slits. Hot. Yeah. Yeah, a little terrifying. (laughs) On top of their heads, they have extra set of eyes. So they have like normal eyes like we do. And then they have extra set of eyes that like look around behind them. So you can't really sneak up on them. And then most noticeably, they have big old tail uh, that ends with a, a blade. So that's like their weapon. And it looks like a scorpion tail. Well, is it like, do you think it's like exoskeleton-y, exoskeleton-y like a scorpion tail? Or is it just like muscle with like a, I'm not sure which one's grosser. I'm imagining <laughs> the guy, the guy from um, My Hero Academia with the tail. I can't oh, that, remember his that name. one grosses me out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like that, like a thick tail. Because it, yeah, it's like, it's like, this is. <laughs> Yeah, I don't like, he seems like a nice character, but yeah, he's not my favorite hero. (laughs) Yeah, with like a fingernail on the end, or like hooves, fingernail or hoof material that's the blade on the end. Mm. I guess more like a fingernail, but anyway. (laughs) So that's what they look like. So they say hello, and he walks out, and he kind of stumbles, and they notice that he's injured. He says he's dying, and which Cassie is immediately like, all right, rip up your t-shirts, we're going to make bandages. We're going to save his life, which Jake says her parents are vets and she's totally into animals. Not that he's an animal, but like, you know. We're all just animals. So she's like immediately like, let's save him. I know, Morgan, you told me before we started this series that I was going to like Cassie. Um, yeah, this started my... Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I in, I'm in love with her now. I'm just saying <laughs> how she is awesome. <laughs> As we continue on, there's many aspects of Cassie's uh, life that, oh my goodness, just, she's she's cool. And I, I really mm-hmm. like, well, I'll get to it in a second, just like how they, they really set up everything. They're like, well, we're going to need easy access to animals. Her parents are vets, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Her parents are vets and... <laughs> they live in a farm. Too. They live in a farm and they also work <laughs> at a zoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... So they're like, well, we have to save you. You're the first alien to come to Earth. And he's like, no, I'm not the first alien to come to Earth. And they're like, well, we should. We would have noticed aliens walking around. And he's like, these are different. They have no body like yours or mine. They live in the bodies of other species. They are, I guess he couldn't think of a word to explain Yerk. So he closed his eyes and seemed to concentrate. Suddenly a bright picture popped into my head. I saw a gray green slimy thing like a snail without its shell, only bigger. The size of a rat, maybe? It wasn't a pretty picture. I like how it's like, you know what a snail without a shell is? A slug. Jake, it's a slug. <laughs> okay, um, so this is, okay, I'm all on board with the series, but this is a heebie-jeebie alert for me because, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I, I love sci-fi, but the point when you get aliens going into bodies, especially through like ear canals or, and things like that, or you got the Stargate with the aliens popping out of stomachs. Oh my goodness, I, <laughs> uh, that, that, that gets me squirmy. Uh, this is all very, uh, you've seen the movie Slither with Nathan Fillion. Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, actually. it's like a spoof on all this, but yeah, it's just same thing. Slug monsters taking over bodies, alien slug monsters. What, what about the movie? What's that M. Night Shyamalan movie, um, with the aliens and it's basically Science? like, so- Science? no, 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 Science. It's, um. He did another one. It's like Dreamcatcher or something. And I don't the, know. And the aliens like literally like rip out of the person's butthole. It's like a long snake like uh, alien no, 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 no. <laughs> What? <laughs> no, I swear. So imagine what? like imagine like it's literally like a thick, gross eel that's got oh like a vagina gosh. full of teeth for its mouth. Like, it's like a like a leech. Uh-uh. Yeah, and it like uh-uh. eats out of the butthole uh-uh. at like part of its life cycle. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's like it's like safe word, Jason. Sorry, <laughs> safe word. We do. Can I have a safe word, please? <laughs> uh, I mean, Sorry. I don't understand why people don't just make their safe words safe words. You know, it makes it a lot easier. <laughs> like seriously, I fucking said the safe word. It's safe word. <laughs> I'll try to be really cognizant of that. I'm sorry, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, like 
There's a couple times where they do describe that a lot, um, but we'll gloss over that. They go into people's ears. They take over their brains. Yeah. They control their bodies. They try to get voluntary hosts, which kind of comes in later because it makes things easier for them um, because, you know, the host doesn't resist as much. Jake is like, we should tell the government. Uh, but they can't tell the government because the government, like the people in the government could be controllers. And I really like, this is the first statement that Jake makes in this book where it's like, Jake, are you picking up anything that anybody's putting down, my guy? Like, he's so slow on the uptake in this book. Yeah. And then they're like, let's make him our leader. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Can, can we? Yeah. Uh. Yeah, Jake, mm-hmm. a little bit of an unreliable narrator in a lot of regards. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. <laughs> I mean, yeah, obviously he's picking up some details that you as a reader will catch on, but just his focus isn't there. <laughs> yeah, and there's like a couple times, I didn't mark it this time, but I started marking it later because I was like, Jake, Jake, come on, come on, guy. <laughs> so basically the Andalite tells them that the Yurks ambushed them in space and now they're on their way to destroy the evidence and just like laser everything with their Dracon beams which is like their phaser weapon. And they're like, well, you know, there's nothing we can do. And then the Andalite's like, hang on a second, go into my ship and get this blue cube. So Jake goes in and they have this moment where he sees like, it's funny because they're like, oh yeah, there's no controls. We control the computer with our brain. Yet I have a printed picture of my family <laughs> on the console of the, of the ship's computer. So he sees the Andalite has a picture of, Four other Andalites, or four Andalites, I guess. Him and three others. Yeah. They're just like us. So, um, Andalites, as the series goes on, how time lordy are they, Morgan? <laughs> Not at all. Okay, so this isn't. There's I'm... a time lord type guy. He comes in later. Okay, because so far it sounded very Gallifrey war like, you know. Yeah. Uh, here at the beginning. Yeah, they're in a war, an active war with the Yurks um, right now. So Jake brings out the blue box and the Andalite explains, this is going to give you the morphing powers so they can become any other species. They need to touch it to acquire its DNA. And he asks them if they want to accept the power. But then while they're debating whether they should take it or not, the Yurk shows up like in the sky. And of course, the Andalite ships are blue because they're blue and the Yurk ships are red because they're evil. <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> Very apropos. So they all agree and they touch the cube and he's like, run away. And and then dramatically says, only remember this. Never remain in an animal form for more than two of your earth hours. Never. That is the greatest danger of the morphing. If you stay longer than two hours, you will be trapped, unable to return to human form. I feel like two hours is also like, I was like, ah, oh, that just feels so short. Yeah, if you think about it. Um, it's a long nap for me, so like I'll easily <laughs> get stuck in a dog form that way. <laughs> Curl up and sunny spot and be like, oh shit. Oh shit, whoops. Um, so could I ask uh, about the morphing? Are you okay if we talk about that right now, the rules around morphing? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, I put down in my notes when we were reading this, like, can they morph into a any other alien species and we might get that answer here in a couple pages <laughs> also if they can morph into inanimate objects uh i'm just curious on I i'm curious as the series goes if the rules kind of define better as they go along like could you morph when you're touching an an animal when you're already in another animal form um and still acquire like that dna we'll say it's limited to the animalia family so no fungus no plants no inanimate objects or no bacteria i guess yeah i mean yeah exactly you could you can go algae you can <laughs> you can uh do a lot of different things just morph into a chair throw me a visor three yeah i mean a, a rock and then you know for two <laughs> hours you're just thinking rock i'm rock <laughs> <laughs> the 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 mind of the rock would be too much <laughs> you would become rock forever what is time <laughs> okay i do have a question too then is for the morphing um does the age of the source animal uh, matter like what if it's a newborn animal versus like an elderly animal or oh. do they morph to that animal's dna based on their own on the morpher's age so like if it was a tiger, would it be a juvenile tiger since these are teenagers? Or is it like the age of 
the tiger they touch. It's actually a th- the same age as them. It's a 13-year-old tiger, so it's elderly. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> the it's the so say, you know, you acquire a 5-year-old kid hypothetically. I don't know why you would do that, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> so 5-year-old, you acquire them and then the DNA freezes at that age. And then if you get stuck in that morph, then the morph starts aging over like normal. That makes sense. Okay. So if you if you got stuck in the five year old's body, then you would start aging from five years old. Okay, so they got some mad telomerase action going on while they're. <laughs> and then Kate, your other question was: they do have to be in their natural form to acquire something. Okay, so they can't be like say a tiger, and then you know they went and touched an ana- an antelope or something, and then also right. acquired the antelope's DNA because that'd be really cool. Because if you're battling somebody and you're able, you're obviously battling them and touching them when you're trying to claw their eyes out, but you actually get their DNA, mm-hmm. you can like you know morph into one of the lizard monsters or something, and then go mono a mono. Apparently yeah. that doesn't happen. No. What about hybrid animals, though? Because let's say a tiger and a lion, that a liger is an animal, not necessarily naturally occurring, but it is a different animal. What if they acquire both lion and tiger DNA? Can they then hybrid morph? Because it's technically... I want you to write that question down and save it for book four. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. uh, So basically, Jason's asking if he can be all four of his chosen animals at once, like literally. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Is that possible? (laughs) That kind of comes up. And there's not really an answer to it, but there's, like, more information in book four. Okay. Any other questions? No, that helped for me. Okay. So um, the Andalite is like, Visitor 3 is coming. Run away. And so they all run away, and they hide behind this, like, little wall. And Tobias stays there the longest. And we see the Andalite, like, give him a Vulcan mind meld before Tobias runs away, too. Like, he touches his hand to his head, and then Tobias, like, jumps back like he's been hit. So it's like he's giving him information telepathically. And so the Andalite is talking to them in thought speak about what they're seeing. Um, so the hork controllers jump out. We see them for the first time and start searching the areas, the area. Um, did you guys see hork Yeah, they... Those things, these creatures, by the way, I was like, oh my god, these are way grosser than I thought they were going to be for children's books. <laughs> these things are monstrous. Yeah. But they're so Wait nice. Did you find pictures of them? Because I just got, you know, obviously, the description from the book. Just the description from the book. So there's hork in the chat. So, um, Morgan, do you want to describe for listeners what the hork look like and then the taxons? They're like seven foot tall lizard dudes. They've got blades on their elbows, knees, tail. Well, not like the Andalite tail, but just like spikes on the end like a dinosaur. And they have like horns, two or three horns um, and claws and then like T-Rex feet. And they're green and seven feet tall and they look really scary, but... The Andalite says that they're peaceful creatures, despite looking like what Rachel calls walking killing machines, or Marco later calls a salad shooter from hell. Okay, I had to look up what a salad shooter was because right <laughs> <laughs> there's a reference. <laughs> also, it seems like a really hard thing to clean. Like you know, you <laughs> sorry, I went on Amazon. <laughs> Like you input in a tube, like, you know, potatoes or like fruits and vegetables and one thing. And then like, you know, inside uh, the uh, device, you know, you, you hit it and it slices everything up and then it uh, uh, shoots it out into a bowl. But um, that doesn't look like a device that's easily <laughs> easy to clean, in my opinion. <laughs> right. It's like a juicer, except it makes salad. Yeah. Oh, even better. <laughs> Yeah, and so they start looking around, and then you have the, and yeah, and the Andalites like, Horkbashir, despite their like scary appearance, are peaceful creatures. And then the uh, Taxons walks out, and he's like, Taxons are evil. Fuck those guys. <laughs> yeah, and that, they were the grossest thing. I was like, I would be like, I would nope. Like, I am not fucking with that. That thing is that picture, by the way, is just as weirdly gross and slimy. It's like, mm-mm. I found the. I could read you from the book. Now, the taxons had dozens of legs that supported the lower two-thirds of their bodies. The top third was held upright, and there the rows of legs became smaller with lobster claw hands. 
Around the top of their disgusting tubular bodies were four eyes, each like a wiggling globule of red jello. At the very end, pointing straight up in the air, was a round mouth ringed by hundreds of tiny teeth. Yeah, that looks like this picture. Yeah, so these guys are big worm things, and he's like, they're evil. I'll just say, one was don't judge a book by its cover, and then the other one was really judge, <laughs> judge this, this book so hard this book's booked up get the raid out and squish this thing Ugh. yeah so the texans are evil they made it they're all voluntary controllers they made deals with the yurks to get food i don't know if it says i hear but we find that out pretty quickly then we get our series antagonist visor three so visor three looks like an andalite but jake's like he just feels super evil He's the only Yurk to have taken an Andalite host body. He starts talking to the Andalite and basically, like, we learn that Thoughtspeak can be directed at specific people or broadcasted. So when the Andalite's talking to the kids, he's directing it specifically at them so that the Yurks can't hear. But Visitor 3 is an arrogant bastard, and so he's, like, broadcasting it for everybody so that everybody can hear it. And then we learn the Andalite's name. Can you please pronounce that name? <laughs> I was gonna make you guys do it. You're evil. I, mean, <laughs> I I'll go for it. I haven't highlighted I had the last name highlighted, but I was like, this is some like river run <laughs> like okay, it's here here's my time. Prince Elfangor Serenial Shamtul. Which you know doesn't sound too bad, but I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like Shamtul sounds like an orc. <laughs> so I just say Shamtul. Oh, Shamtul's adventures. <laughs> Elfangor Serenial Shamtel, um, which like this is the easiest to pronounce Andalite name we'll get to. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dear. <laughs> um, and he's like a big shot. He's like a war hero among the Andalites. And we get this funny exchange where Visor 3 is like, an honor to meet you. You're a legend. How many of our fighters have you shredded? Seven? Or was it eight by the time the battle ended? And Jake's narration is like, the Andalite didn't answer, but I had the feeling maybe it had been more than eight. <laughs> <laughs> Humbly kicking ass. So then Visor 3, like, lays out the stakes. He's like, we plan on taking over this puny planet and then the Andalite homeworld. So it's like, okay, we got to stop him before he does that. And then Elfangor hits Visor 3 with his tail blade and he starts bleeding. And all the kids are like, yeah. But then he starts morphing because he's an Andalite. And so he can morph. And so he turns into this big monster. So it says, the four horse-like legs merged into two, then expanded, each leg becoming as big around as a redwood tree. Delicate andalite arms sprouted and became tentacles, and the hideously bloated head, a mouth, appeared. It was filled with teeth as long as your arm. The mouth grew wider and wider, becoming a monstrous, terrifying grin. So like the Pirates of the Caribbean cracking. See, if the kids had any balls, they would go up and go touch that alien monster, <laughs> and then it'll be a throwdown. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah, that's another rule is they can't do that. They can't acquire an animal from a morph. Ah, jeez, man. Okay. No cheatsies. <laughs> Doesn't he say, like, this is, like, from Saturn or something? Yeah, some no, it's like sort of moon. moon of a dying star or something. Yeah, something dramatic. And so then Jake, like... He wants to stop it, but... And he, like, gets up to do it. And, uh, you know, we're all just like, oh, my God, you're so going to get everybody killed. And I know, right? Elfangor is like, no, calm yourself. Steal your nerves. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, okay, I guess I won't. And so Visor 3 picks up Elfangor and eats him. Yeah. A book for children, everyone. <laughs> like, okay, this is, okay. And then he morphs back. And this is where I had a question is it's like, how does matter work? Because he's like, I just ran this big thing. I ate something the size of a horse, transformed back to said horse, and like, like you know, didn't explode. So I'm just like, okay, so I'll eat anything I want. Yeah, right? Like morph into another human and just eat a bunch of shit and then demorph and it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Also, okay, is there a... Visor or Visor Visor, which one is it? Visor. Visor. Is there a Visor one and a Visor two? Because like he's yes. three. Mm -hmm. So he's like number three in charge. So he's got ambition. Yeah, that's he's right. he's gonna make it to Visor one. That's ah. what I thought. Like when they were talking about him earlier or something. Yeah, about his like grand plan. 
And I was like, who's like, if you can turn to that thing, who's two and one? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> is, it, is this like merit based? Like, like, like maybe he just needs to like accomplish more things or is it like strictly power based? <laughs> yeah, there's like ranks. So they're all, it's not like he is ranked level three or something. Like he's number three. Like he's the third person in charge. Okay. So like there's only one visitor three. There's only one visitor two. There's only one visitor one. So he eats. Elfangor, and we get like our first sprinklings of some PTSD when Jake's like, at the very end, he cried out. A cry- his cry of despair was in our heads. His cry will always be in our heads. And then smash cut to El- Visor 3 going, ah, nothing like a good Antarian Bogmorpher <laughs> taking a bite out of your enemies. <laughs> and then all his like minions laugh because um, they're like, oh, evil villain, you're so funny. And Jake hears this laugh. It sounds familiar, but he can't quite place it. Yeah. We'll come back so to that. with that hint in my uh, notes on the margins, I'm like, okay, it's going to be either his brother or maybe like one of his teachers that he cares about. Good guess. <laughs> <laughs> and so at this point, Marco starts to throw up. And so the Horkbazir hear him and start chasing all of them. Cassie, Tobias, and Marco go in one direction. Jake and Rachel go in another direction, and they're super tall. And I like how it throws shade on, like, Tobias is super out of shape, and Cassie and Marco are too short to be fast. Rachel and Jake are like, okay, we have to get their attention because we're the fastest. So um, they run and, like, come over here, you gross monster, and then run off in a different direction so that the others can get away easier, which kind of shows, like, the two of them are pretty brave. Which I think is why they have Jake be a leader. I feel like he's like the, I will the Triforce of Courage. So I'm <laughs> I, I know. I, I'm just saying, like, I mean, Jake's fine for this first book. And I'm assuming, <laughs> like, there's, from looking at the covers, they switch off narrators throughout these mm-hmm. main characters uh, in the series. But it's interesting, like, any of these other ones would have been fine as a reliable narrator at the beginning. I still think, I think Cassie would have been my favorite. Yeah, I, I mean, if narrating, if Cassie narrated the first book, I think it would have been far more fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's very, like, plain. They're like, we're going to, he's generic. We're going to get this shit out, like, get the information out about the other characters, and then we'll build on them later, like, and figure it out. <laughs> and I feel like Rachel also doesn't get a lot of character development in this one mm-hmm. because her book is next, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So Jake falls, like, he trips over some rebar or something and gets separated from Rachel He's like, go, go, and she leaves. Then he stumbles around for a while, and then he hears a human controller talking to a hork and the human says, no, no need to capture them. Whoever you do find, kill. Just save the head. Bring that to me, and we can identify it. And he's like, that sounds familiar, but I can't tell who that is. So Jake goes, like, he's moving through this abandoned construction site. He goes into a room and, like, kind of trips over this homeless man, and he's like hey, leave me alone. I don't have anything to steal. And the controllers hear him say that. So Jake literally just backs away from the situation like Homer going into that <laughs> shrub and just like leaves. Yeah, I was like, this poor homeless guy. I know. I know, right? Yeah, no, seriously. That was a very dark ending to chapter six. Yeah, They were like, he's a scared kid, but also like, you know, he did this brave thing where he's like, I'm going to save my friends. And then immediately, like, just throws this guy to the wolves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So another cut. Chapter seven opens up with Jake just waking up. And he's like, I don't know how I got home. I didn't want to write out that chapter. And uh, tries to pretend it was all a dream. But Tobias shows up pretty immediately to bring him back to reality. Um, Jake's mom's knocking on the door like, your friend's here. His name is Tobias. I don't know why he's here so early. <laughs> I mean, she doesn't say that, but I get the impression that, like, it's, like, Saturday morning and your son's friend comes over at, like, 8 in the morning. Like, no, my guy. <laughs> don't do it. Um, so Tobias uh, looks super stoked on life. Uh, Jake says, I swear he was glowing. Um, mm. And... Tobias is like, I did it. I turned into dude, my cat. And so he was like petting dude and thinking about it and then just kind of started morphing. And he was like, it was so cool. You're so graceful. And like, you have all this coiled energy and stuff. And Jake's like, no, you didn't do that. You're just 
crazy. And so he's like, all right, fine. So he starts to, he just morphs into a dude who is Gray Kitty. And we get our first kind of morphing description, which is pretty light considering the intensity of the morphing descriptions later. I feel like in this book, they're like, listen, we already have somebody get eaten. We're going to take it easy. <laughs> Because the morphing descriptions later are like, and my organs rearranged and disappeared. Yeah, no, it gets uh, graphic uh, with those descriptions. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Okay, so uh, there's something in the reprint that got changed. So this is the original. Um, this is the original quote. Uh, Jake thinks something while well, well, he Tobias is in the morph, and he says, "I wondered if Tobias had heard my thought." I concentrated. Tobias, can you hear me? Yeah, he said, I hear you. And in the reprint, they change it because that's not how it works in any of the other books. Like Tobias, like when you're in morph, you can't, you can't thought speak unless you are in morph or an andalite. Okay, so both of them would have to be in morph to talk to each other. Right. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> Tobias starts to play with a string, which is our way of learning that the cat's instincts are also in the morph with him. Um, so he demorphs and we learn that they can't morph clothes. So Tobias is just naked. Um, he puts his clothes back on and Jake goes to get Homer, which is his dog. Speaking of Homer, I just referenced that gif a minute ago. Um, so he's, he pets Homer and he's like, this is so dumb. And then starts trying to morph and he's like, see, it didn't work. And then he looks at his hand and it's covered in fur um classic or puberty trope yeah. i mean like that happens when i pet my dog that he's just shedding so <laughs> right the amount of times i tried to morph as a child is embarrassing <laughs> um even though i knew i didn't have a blue cube but whatever i mean when uh, that doesn't need to stop you I... <laughs> <laughs> i'll keep trying man sometimes i'll say to cora you, if you're an anamorph you have to tell me otherwise it's entrapment. And, um, and then, yeah, what type of reaction do you get? <laughs> she just gives me her resting bitch face, <laughs> like she always does. Um, so uh, Jake finishes morphing into Homer. He's like, it doesn't hurt, but it itched when, like, the fur came out. So it was also kind of gross. Um, he gets, like, super happy because he's got the dog brain in there. And he starts barking at the other dog in his yard. So they had put the real Homer outside. Um, because they wanted to make sure he wasn't going to freak out. But, um, so that means Jake Homer was like, who the fuck is, who the fuck is in my yard? Uh, so starts like barking his head off. So Tom knocks on the door and is like, who are you to Tobias? And he's like, I'm a friend of Jake's. And he's like, where is he? It's like, oh, he's just around. Um, and Jake smells a strange, dangerous smell on, uh, Tom. And it's like, and somehow in my own mind, I heard the echo of a laugh, a very human laugh I had heard the night before as Visitor 3 swallowed the Andalite hole. And he still doesn't put it together because he can't do oh, anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God. Like this whole, like he gets better, but like this whole book, he's like, no, Tom's not a controller. <laughs> no, I, I, I can't beat my friends at video games and I can't actually uh, tell that my family is evil right in front of me. So. <laughs> uh, the thing I really uh, liked about it was when he was a dog, uh, like just the level of like uh, detail that uh, he would sense what another dog like ate, you know, or smelled like. I, I kind of really like the description. He's like, this dog I smelled, he's, he got a mix of canned and dried fruit, Purina, no <laughs> table scraps, unlike me. It was just, it was super cute. I liked, uh, I liked the descriptions. Yeah, and he's all happy because he's a dog. And then Tom calls him a bad dog for barking and he gets really sad. Like whenever you tell a dog they were bad, they get so sad. Um, so he uh, like goes into the corner and then Tobias like pets him on the head and scratches him behind the ears and he felt a little bit better. So uh, we cut to <laughs> more, more Jake not picking up what anybody's putting down. Uh, he's on the phone with Cassie. Tom walks in. Mm, I don't think I want to have this conversation with Tom here. So he just is like, I'll see you later and hangs up. 
And then Jake talks a little bit about the background of their relationship, how they used to be close, but they weren't spending as much time together lately because Tom has been spending so much time with this club called The Sharing. Cult. Super normal, not culty name, everybody. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, this is, uh, what were those people that moved? It was, yeah. All right. If I Cult. was the parents and I heard my kid talking about this group, <laughs> red flags, people. <laughs> So much. So, so much. And Jake is like, I should have told him about what happened last night, but I, I don't think I should. And then instead, he's like, well, I guess I'll tell him the other thing I have been meaning to tell him, which is that I didn't make the team. So he's like, I didn't make the team. And Tom's like, what team? He's like, you're the basketball team, your old team. And he's like, oh, that sucks. And uh, he's just like very nonchalant. And Jake's like, what? Tom saying sports were no big deal. No way. He lived for sports. And uh, we found out that Tom quit his own team a couple of days ago. And Jake is shook. He is not about that. And still doesn't put it together. <laughs> well, it's, like, it's like, what am I going to do to bond with my brother if we can't talk about sports? Oh, my God. But yeah, no. The denial is so real. <laughs> Yeah, and I feel like his character traits, like he was brave, and that's so far, and he can't put things together. I mean, um, stupid and brave go together, I guess. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm, I yeah agree with Jason. I don't know, brave or just a little bit jump in <laughs> without thinking. <laughs> yeah, very, yeah. And a lot of his moments seem to be more, like, come from anger in a situation. Mm. But... Whatever, he's got a developing frontal style. <laughs> and so Tom's like, look, there are more important things than throwing balls through hoops. He had this mysterious look in his eyes. I figured he meant girls were the more important thing. And Tom says, besides, we do much cooler stuff at the sharing. Maybe you should join up. And in my notes, I have Jake, my dude, a kindergartner could put these pieces together. <laughs> I just... Oh, everything, though, too, is like, it's a cult. That's what they say to get you there. It's a cult. Every single time the sharing comes up, I'm writing in my margins, cult, cult. And it's just <laughs> uh, the number of exclamation points again. are just increasing throughout the book. <sighs> we have this with the hindsight of... 2021, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and being adults. Okay, that seems like a good place to stop. We're going to split this episode into two just because there's so many details. It would be over two hours long, and uh, we don't want to do that to you guys. So uh, episode 1B is going to be available right now if you want to download and listen to it. But we thought we'd break it up into two if you guys want to take a break from all of the animal shenanigans. Um Jason, where can people find you on the internet? People could find me on Twitter at bottomus underscore prime. And um, yeah, check me out. It's a good time. Why don't you come <laughs> and follow me sometime? <laughs> and Kate, how can people get a hold of you? Well, I'm not on social media. So, you know, you can get an old fashioned cup and string and just... Uh, See if I can find the other end of it and we can communicate that way. Or you can email us at middlemorph at gmail.com. Awesome. And you can find me at Morgan underscore Slay on Twitter. Uh, or you can also check out my other podcast, Are the Letter You the Word Serious Pod on Twitter, which is about Reddit and stuff. And stuff. Yes, and stuff. And we will see you next time for part two of book one, The Invasion. Bye. Bye. Thank you.